Flight 229, you're clear for takeoff. Just like a flight plan, you have to know where you're going and how you will get there when you plan for retirement. Let Ryan Fleming help you chart out a course for your retirement with his intimate knowledge of financial planning and the airline industry. It's time for the Pilot's Advisor. This is the Pilot's Advisor podcast. Walter Storholt here alongside Ryan Fleming. What's up, Brian? How are you this week? I'm doing great, Walter. How are you doing? Doing well, and we're going to have a little fun here over the next couple of minutes with Ryan Fleming here on the Pilot's Advisor as we talk about you and your company, Fleming Financial Group. I think you're already a little bit different than the rest of the you know sort of advising world because you specifically work with pilots across the world, and you're also meeting with folks in airports across the world. You're a current pilot. You kind of have all these differences already, but I wanted to take a couple of minutes to talk a little bit about Fleming Financial Group and just how you guys are unique and different from everybody else that's out there. What makes you unique? Well, I think we are are unique. And one of the biggest reasons is we're all about educating our clients versus just, hey, give me your money and let me invest it for you. I feel like so many advisors out there are trying to stock pick and time the market and try to predict what the market's going to do. And all the statistics and data out there simply show that the market is totally unpredictable. The news is unpredictable, which in turn affects the market. So the market's unpredictable. So I try to help clients and show them the numbers so that they're not speculating and gambling with their money. And what I mean by that is there's some myths to investing out there that I teach clients about and show them the numbers so that they're not market timing, they're not stock picking, and they're not track record investing, all of which have been proven to hurt investors. It also seems like, at least from my you know, perspective here, Ryan, that you really talk about taxes probably a lot more than the average advisor would. That seems to be one of your central tenets of the planning process. Well, it's taxes and fees because all of them drastically affect you know, what you're actually taking home. And the whole reason why we invest is to grow our money and, and beat inflation. So if you don't look at the little pieces of what's going on, they're going to drastically affect your bottom line. If a, a mutual fund or a, a manager of your portfolio is actively picking stocks, buying and selling constantly, there's transaction costs that are involved in that that could drastically reduce your, your return by 3 to 4% per year. So these are things I analyze that I look at or overlap within a portfolio, which basically means if you own multiple different mutual funds, one professional money manager might be buying Apple while the other guy is selling Apple. And the net result for the investor is zero, but they're paying for those transaction costs. So that's something that we need to look at. And we need to make sure that your mutual funds are actually talking to each other. How have you uh, developed or arrived at this investment philosophy and, and how you run your company and, and how you've kind of shaped your life as a financial advisor? Well, this didn't happen you know, overnight. I think it took me five or six years to really develop my investment philosophy because I went around and talked to all these very, very successful financial advisors and was looking at what they did. But I'm one of those people where you know, I, I look at the numbers because the numbers don't lie. You know, you, we can talk about all these different things, but ultimately it comes back to what's actually happened. And I found a whole piece of the market from the academia world where these people had won Nobel prizes by seeing where there was, 
premiums in the market where you're going to get a, a, a higher return consistently. But then I saw a lot of people not investing in these asset classes. So I really started going down that path of from an academic and statistical perspective, what is best for clients? The other thing I saw was that, you know, the S&P 500 would get a certain return, but the average investor was like getting much less than that, you know, which really made me sick to my stomach. And so I wanted to investigate why. And once I started investigating why, I really started seeing how investors were hurting themselves and also how other advisors that were trying to stock pick and time the market were ultimately hurting investors as well. I know that in today's world, uh, if anything in the financial world has gotten a good amount of buzz or attention the past couple of years, it's been the introduction of this word fiduciary. What do you think of that term? And for those who maybe don't know, what, what is a fiduciary? Uh, what do you think of the term? And also, is that something that you embody? Is that something that, that you certainly are? Absolutely. Every client that I work with, I'm a fiduciary for, meaning that I'm legally obligated to act in their best interest. And the problem is there are so many advisors out there that are stock brokers where you don't have a fee-based relationship, where they are just there to help you get into products, but they're not legally obligated to do anything that's in your best interest. And I think that investors need to make sure that they're aligned with an advisor if they're going to work with an advisor that is a fiduciary. I think that's just, uh, it's easy to glaze over that. And yet it's so, so important to realize there are, there are people to whom you can give your money in a situation where they do not have to make decisions for you that are in your best interest. Uh, It's called suitable, right? It has to be like appropriate for you, but there could be a better decision to be made there, but they're not needing to follow that level or that standard. Yeah. And and that is the correct word. It's suitability. Is this suitable for this client? And it just blows my mind that it's even an option for a investor to work with somebody that is not a fiduciary and that they just can sell them investments that are suitable. And that's why I always say it's selling an annuity, you know, or selling a product because ultimately these, these advisors are selling their product or selling their annuity because it very well might not be the best thing for that investor. And it, and it really makes me sick to my stomach. It's kind of how I feel the cafeteria was growing up in school. Uh, you know, the fact that they had pizza every single day, you know, the cardboard pizza with the square pepperonis on it. It's like, well, this is suitable. It's calories. It'll give the kids energy and, and nourishment in a way. But is it really in their best, you know, in their best interest to have pizza on the menu every single day? Probably not. You know, the school cafeteria was just meeting the suitability standard there, not the fiduciary standard. Well, and and that's why I love it when an investor reaches out to me because I'm not, you know, it's the numbers don't lie. So an investor reaches out to me. I see what they're doing in their portfolio. I analyze it for them. And then we sit down and talk about it. And I show them the numbers. I show what I see that might be be wrong with their portfolio and and uh, the numbers just don't lie. And, and I love in, uh, analyzing portfolios because of that, because as my old football coach said, 99 times out of 10, <laughs> sorry, I had to go there, but in most cases, 99 times out of 100, when I uh, analyze someone's portfolio, I can find quite a few things that they need to change and show them via the numbers 
how they can improve their portfolio. We've been talking a lot about the investment side, investment philosophies, and the X's and O's, if you will, to use another sports analogy. analogy. But uh, also, I know a common complaint of a lot of advisors uh, or uh, you know, so-called financial advisors or brokers or whoever it may be, um, salesmen it could be uh, couched as, is the kind of this complaint that, all right, so we work with you, we buy this product, or we implement this strategy, whatever it may be, and then the relationship sort of ends, or they never hear from that advisor, from that person again. And it's an important question to ask any advisor you're thinking of working with, you know, how will our relationship work? So how are you different in that regard, Ryan? How do you maintain those relationships both during the kind of introductory phase where you're meeting someone for the first couple of times versus, okay, now they're they're a long-term client, somebody that you're going to be communicating with for years and years? Or is it kind of just a one-stop shop and done? Well, I think this is a great question. And I want all my clients out there to hear this again, because I feel like every time I develop a relationship with a new client, I kind of say, you know, you control how much time we spend with each other because there's some clients that just don't want to sit down and analyze their portfolio quarterly. That's there's true. some that do. Mm-hmm. And I want them to, you know, be the ones that tell me how they want the relationship to be. What I'm going to do is I'm going to continue to put content and education out there for you. I'm going to continue to email you. So if you want to read about stuff or see things in the environment, you have the ability to do that. But I don't want to be harassing you with your life if you don't have time or just simply don't want to. The other side of that is, you know, many, many clients are in the phase of, of building that nest egg for retirement and where it becomes even more and more important to, to meet more often is right before retirement or in the distribution phase. Cause that's where you can really, really make some huge mistakes. I'm not saying that you can't make mistakes in the accumulation phase where you're building that nest egg. You know, once you have it set up and you're being disciplined, there's not a whole lot of adjusting that needs to happen in the accumulation phase. But in the distribution phase of retirement, that's where things get very, very, very complicated. Yeah, that's a great point, Ryan. So as a, as a final thought here, any other unique elements about you and Fleming Financial Group you want to share? I'm here for you. I'm a fiduciary. I know pilots. I know your 401ks. I, I work with many people that are not um, pilots. I do want to say that. I work with many people that are doctors, uh, NFL football players. I work with many, many clients that aren't pilots, but I do specialize in pilots because I know the industry very well. I know the 401ks of those industries very well. Um, but ultimately, I'm here for you and I'm a fiduciary for you. Reach out to me and I will uh, analyze your portfolio for you. Got a diverse background for sure, not only on the pilot side of things, but military experience, Air Force Academy background, former football player, and uh, the rest. So bring a lot of experience to the table in many different facets of life, Ryan, and I always enjoy chatting with you and getting to learn about some of those angles that you've been exposed to over the years and tapping into your knowledge a little bit. If you need some help with your financial plan and anything we've talked about today has piqued your interest or brought up any questions, if any questions have bubbled up for you, uh, get answers to those by calling or texting Ryan at 843-475-3038. That's 843-475-3038 pilot or not, give a call to Ryan and talk about what's going on in your situation, how you can put together the best plan possible. Find out what it's like to work with Fleming Financial Group online by going to FlemingFG.com. That's FlemingFG.com. And you can always email Ryan, Ryan at FlemingFG.com. 
It's getting to know you time. Hey, it's time to get to know Ryan a little bit better on the podcast today. Uh, every once in a while, I like to throw random questions at Ryan that don't have to do anything with finances, just to get to know you a little better, Ryan. So uh, curious to know, you do a lot of traveling. You do a, uh, probably a lot of eating out and all over the place. Uh, you have probably are well exposed, lots of different types of foods and that sort of thing. Who's the best cook you know, given all the different foods you've had to taste over the years? Walter, this is a gift question. Thank you so much for this one. I have a, feeling you're, time, I have a feeling you're going to earn some brownie points with this one. <laughs> well, most of the time when you throw these questions at me, I'm like, oh, here we go. And, you know, I keep wondering <laughs> when I get to ask you questions and get to know you better. Oh, we, you um, can always flip it around at any time. <laughs> best cook I know. This is actually a very easy one. I did not know this when I married my wife 14 years ago, um, but she is the most amazing cook in the world. I mean, I don't even, I could go in the fridge right now and probably not even be able to eat anything in there or put anything together. And she has an ability to just make the most amazing things from scratch. As a matter of fact, most of the time when we have visitors, they ask what it is she cooked, how she did it. And, and she just does it by herself. Like there's no recipe. She's just able to, to put it together. And she really, really has a gift with uh, being such an amazing cook. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm really good at eating. So that doesn't <laughs> help my waistline at uh, all. But <laughs> That's funny. I, uh, I love cooking with my wife. It's the, I think one of the most fun things we do together and because we have different styles too. So she's, I would say, enjoys the science of cooking. She loves following recipes to a T, make sure that everything is measured the exact way it's supposed to be, you know, very, very scientific about it in, in, in that kind of way. Whereas I'm much more of uh, the art of cooking, right? So I'm like, oh, we're going to throw like more of the Emerald style. We're going to do a little, ba- little bam, we'll throw a little bit of this in there, we'll throw a little bit of that. Ah, this dish didn't call for mushrooms, but I love mushrooms. I'm going to throw some mushrooms in there, you know. So I'm, we have different styles, but it's really fun to kind of navigate around the kitchen together. And, uh, and, and yes, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. It's an easy way to earn some brownie points for you since often I'm challenging you with these questions. I give you a give you a softball <laughs> well, today. She she's definitely the uh, the best cook that I know, and and she's an artiste like you, where it's just a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but it's always very very healthy. I mean, she's really into you know totally organic foods and nothing that has any stuff that's you know not uh, natural. But and unfortunately, I don't earn brownie points on that because I'm not a, a one that cooks with her. However. I always do all the dishes and clean up the kitchen. So that's kind of our deal. There you go. She loves cooking. I like eating. And then I do the cleanup. Not a bad uh, not a bad situation. Although what you really need to do is get the kids doing the cleanup. And then then you're really in the catbird seat. <laughs> then then I'm in the rocker, huh? That's right. Exactly. Well, thanks I'll, for sharing that with us. I'll work on that when they get older. Yeah, when they get a little older, you, just, you work them into the chores. And then you can just be holding the clipboard and be the supervisor of the process. Well, I, if I was if I was a smart man, I'd get in there and, and mix it up, uh, kind of like you do. Even if I obviously have no uh, artistic talent when it comes to cooking, but I can uh, probably cut up some vegetables or or help with some other uh, minuscule item that doesn't take any talent. There you go. Uh, one of the cool things we've done before, and I don't know if this is interesting to uh, anybody out there, but you know, because it's tough when you get to the end of that meal and you do have all of those dishes. If nothing else, as she's cooking and getting done with certain pots and pans and bowls and stuff like that, if you wash as you go, certainly makes the, the tail end of the process easier where you, you end the meal and also have a clean kitchen. If you kind of clean up and, and wash the dishes as you go, then you don't have to worry about doing it afterwards. So it's uh, that's a little that, tidbit. That would definitely make my job easier because here's where I lose my brownie points, but I have to be honest. 
Carrie, my wife, is the messiest cooker I've ever met in my <laughs> life. If you want to see how our kitchen looks after she's, you know, made this masterpiece. That's part, that's part of the art of it. <laughs> oh, my, my gosh. That's too funny. Very, very funny, in fact. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing those stories with us. Uh, if you start dabbling in the kitchen a little bit, let us know how it goes. I'd be interested to hear if she kicks you out of there or if it uh, ends up being helpful or not. I'm sure no, we we'll need an update. The few times I have been in there, she very much enjoyed it. Okay, good. Yeah, so do more of that. There you go. Just clean as you go. That'll be uh, she'll she'll enjoy that. I would imagine. So and it'll make your life easier too. Well, that's getting to know Ryan Fleming a little bit better right here on the Pilots Advisor. Fun stuff. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Time to open up the mailbag and answer some questions from listeners uh, to the podcast. Bradley in Seattle has our first question of the day. Bradley says, my wife totaled her car and we need about $30,000 to get her a new one. We only keep about $1,000 in the bank. So should we get this from an IRA where we'll have to pay taxes on it? Or should we use after-tax money and just pay capital gains? Well, the first thing I think about with this question is Seattle, and I know how bad the traffic is, so I know how she was able to total her car. I've driven but in anyway. there a couple. I've driven a couple of times in Seattle, and it was definitely a harrowing experience. Oh, it's just a mess. <laughs> it is. Well, I get this question a lot amongst my clients, and an IRA is exactly that—a individual retirement account. It's not an individual. Uh, let's take money out so we can buy a car account. And I think I watched many, many people decide to try to dip into their 401k or their IRA or take a little bit of a loan and take a 10% penalty. And I want to encourage everyone out there, all my listeners, all my clients, don't ever reach into your IRA or your 401k for anything unless it's one of those things that gives you a, a uh, where you don't have to pay the 10% discount or the 10% penalty, excuse me, because of medical issues, because of college, stuff like that. Because it's an IRA. So absolutely, I would say reach, reach into your after-tax money for this. And this is also another plug why you need to save money outside of a 401k in a taxable investment account so that you actually have your money working for you outside of a retirement account, but also uh, you know you can still tap into it and have liquidity to grab it when you really need it. Yeah, it's really a it's really a two part response to a question like that. Sure, solve the immediate problem or answer your immediate question, but we got to do something about the lack of liquidity, the lack of funds on hand. I, you know, uh, liquidity is just one of those things that gets so, you know, overlooked. I think when it comes to a financial plan, nobody wants to have lazy money sitting around. Ryan, but here's another great example of how it's very, very beneficial and helpful to have a little bit of extra cash on hand and sacrifice some of the, you know, big returns you're shooting for with other accounts and that sort of thing. Well, and it's it's so easy to just, you know, put 10% in your uh, IRA or 401k. Maybe you put 2% in a, a liquid investment account and you, you'll be amazed at how it grows over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I But I find that to be a big problem when I analyze most people's situations. They might have a great 401k, but then they have only you know a couple grand in their savings or checking account, and that's it. And yep. they spend everything else they get. Well, it's just about being a little bit disciplined and putting some more off to the side in a more liquid uh, investment, but also having that money work for you by having it invested in the market. Bradley, hope that helps. And as always, we encourage you to ask your questions to Ryan Fleming. We might feature it on the mailbag. You can email him, ryan at flemingfg.com. That's ryan at flemingfg.com. You can also submit questions through the website on flemingfg.com. 
Bradley.com as well. Thanks for the question, Bradley. Ryan, thanks for the help. Appreciate your guidance. Walter, it's always great talking to you. I hope you have a great rest of the week. And uh, to all my pilots and clients out there, make sure you put the gear down. Have a good day. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.